Hey guys, welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can show up and remember that God's still at work in our mess. Well, I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new episode every other Tuesday. We are partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, and also big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets for free wherever we go. So if for some crazy reason you don't already have that on your phone, today is your day. You have nothing to lose. But even more than one local church or one physical location, we are passionate about the global church, which is the collective body of Christ. And that's exactly why we get super excited to lock arms with women from all over the world who are both bold and humble enough to publicly share a piece of their story. You know, we all hold many pieces to many stories. And most of them aren't tied up with a nice, pretty bow, but there's some sideways concoction of the gloriously hard. And we're also limited to one perspective, one set of eyes, one set of ears, one heart, one mind. Unlike God, we are not limitless. We are not omnipresent. And that's why it's so incredibly valuable to listen to each other, not just the highlights found on Instagram, but also those hodgepodge, mismatched, still somehow connected pieces that make up a life. And real life happens around messy tables, in homes and offices and coffee shops, every day, in every part of the world. Y'all, my heart is just swelling with anticipation over today's guest, who's actually a childhood friend of mine. And side note, I just love how God uses everything, even random connections from random times in our lives. So first, a question. What does a tribal village, an old-fashioned birthing hut, and Bible translation have in common? Well, we are covering all of it today because Jill Sanders, along with her husband and three kids, is a missionary who's been living in a remote mountain village in Papua New Guinea for the last five years. Y'all, this village has no cars, no roads, no grocery stores, no modern doctors, no drive-through Chick-fil-A or Amazon Prime deliveries. Not only that, but the Wantakian people have never even had the opportunity to hear the gospel in their own language until now, literally right now. The Sanders, as well as two other families with them, have been in the Wantakia tribe, learning the language, learning the culture, teaching literacy, and now, finally, teaching the Bible. I can't even begin to tell you how strangely proud I am of their obedience and how fascinated I am with Jill's perspective. Y'all, it's mustard seed faith at its finest, digging and planting and watering over and over and over. I promise you, hers is a perspective that'll stretch our minds, enlarge our hearts, and invite us each to play our own little part in the greatest mission on earth. And get this, even though they are out in the middle of nowhere, a tower went up and now they have internet. And even though it's super sketchy and honestly, it wasn't working great before or after this conversation, God allowed it to work flawlessly for one solid hour. And by God's grace, you get to hear it too. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Jill. Well, hi, Jill, and welcome to The Messy Table. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) And I should say good morning to you and Papua New Guinea. I think it's about 10 a.m. your time, and it's 7 p.m. here in the Midwest part of the state. So Yes, we are from the future. (laughs) If people don't know where that is, it's basically north of Australia, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, north of Australia. And we share the island with Indonesia. So that makes it easier. Everyone knows where Indonesia is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we 
actually know each other from doing gymnastics together way back when we were little. Yes, we are in the presence with Jazzy. Oh gosh, (laughs) Jazzy. I was asking my mom, why do people call me that at first? And she was telling me that it was around the time Aladdin came out and I had these like Jasmine slippers. They didn't have her on it, but they had jewels all over it. And apparently that's how it got started. Oh, that's so sweet. Because you were always like the best and the coolest. Whatever. Everyone looked up to you. No, no, no. no. Okay, this got weird. I'm going to move on. So, okay, well, I have a million questions and I want to know all the things. But first, just give everyone a glimpse into who you are and what you're all about. Yeah, thanks. Okay, so my name's Jill and I am married to BJ and we've been married for 12 years. And we have three awesome kids and we live in Papua New Guinea, as you already just heard. Yeah. Yeah. We're missionaries there. And so some of my roles, I'm a wife and a mother and a teacher. I homeschool our kids and I'm a literacy teacher. I'm a language learner. I'm a missionary. I'm a coworker. I'm a friend. My cup is full. My portion is full, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but wow. Yeah. All the hats. <laughs> lots and lots of hats. And the cook and the, the maid. I feel like you probably do all the things that we don't always have to do here in America. Yeah. It's crazy. Just like a few months ago, our life is really hard to understand until the COVID came around. And now it's like a lot of people understand a lot better because you guys are having to put in orders for your shopping. You can't really go anywhere. You're stuck inside your house. So anyways, I'm excited you guys can relate. That's right. We can. I was laughing. You posted something about that you guys had toilet paper when we didn't. That's right. I know I could have sent you guys some. (laughs) (laughs) It just would have taken a little while to get here. How long does it take to send a package? Um, usually about a month or so. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I know I've heard you mention like no paved roads, no doctors, Think about all the people right now who have no clue exactly what your life is like. What are some things that are very different than a good part of the world? Oh, yeah. Or especially more than America. Yeah, yeah. So if you live in town, there's a lot more things to do. Like there are restaurants and hotels and some streets that are somewhat drivable. Um, But we live in the bush in Papua New Guinea. So we live in the mountains and it is just Oh, very, very different. I'm trying to think of the English word to say it, but it's beautiful. Yeah, it's super pretty and green and it rains all the time, but we are helicopter only location. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was going to ask you how far is town? Well, I could tell you it's a 30 minute helicopter ride. To get to town. Okay. So how many miles is that? In? Oh. I mean, that's a long way. I have no idea. <laughs> It's pretty funny when you measure it in helicopter minutes, but um, we are one of the closest tribes to town. So it's pretty nice. Just get on our personal chopper and fly to town. I was going to say, how do you summon the chopper? (laughs) Well, you have internet. So we just write an email and say, hey, we want to go to town this day. But it's really expensive. So we try to plan our trips like every five or six months we go to town just to get a little break. Oh my goodness. Okay. So every five or six months to go to town. Yeah. So basically we're quarantined for that long. If you want to relate it to that. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So everything's different. (laughs) Yeah. So there are no um, schools here, like in our village, there are no hospitals. Um, There's no streets. There are paths that we can walk on, Mm -hmm. but um, we live in the mountains. We live about 7,000 feet up. 
on a mountain. So it's uh, anywhere you want to go, you have to go up and down the mountain just to, you know, go to your neighbor's house or something. So the terrain is very up and down. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So I think you had posted something about you said you hadn't mowed your grass. And so the whole village basically <laughs> showed up to cut your grass with what looked like machetes. Is yeah. that what you do if you want to cut your lawn? Yes. Yes. And like, we're so busy that they don't understand like the inside of our house is really clean, but to them, they see our grass and they're just appalled by like how long it is. And so finally, when it gets long enough, they all say, okay, we've had enough. Saturday morning, we're all coming to your house and we're going to cut your grass. So yeah, we have several people come out with their bush knives or machetes and start whacking away. That's awesome. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. What brought you there in the first place? Yeah. Well, BJ and I, we both went to colleges. I went to the OU Boomer Sooner, right, Jen? (laughs) And BJ went to Arkansas. I kind of called the pogs for all of you hog people. (laughs) Pigs to me. There you go, BJ. That was for you. That's right. And all of my other Arkansas fans. Um, But anyways, yeah, when we went to uh, university, we started really just wanting to know more and more about God's heart for the nations. And so we both went to a class called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. And um, it's a 15-week class. And each week you learn about either the biblical basis of missions, the history of missions, or like our part in the missions. And um, so anyways, each week there's a different speaker or missionary who comes and speaks on a different subject. Well, um, one week we heard a speaker. Well, I mean, I say we, but I'm in Oklahoma. He's in Arkansas. So I heard a speaker from Papua New Guinea, and he was telling us that there are over 800 languages alone in Papua New Guinea, which is about the size of, I don't know, maybe Texas. It's not a very big country, but there's 800 languages. And a lot of those languages don't have the gospel language. They don't have the Bible in their language. And they also show the video called ETAL for all of you people who have seen ETAL. And um, when I heard this, I just was really confused because I grew up in Oklahoma, the Bible Belt, you know, there's lots of churches, there's lots of Bibles, lots of translations. I mean, even on our phone, we can choose whatever translation sounds the best to us. And so for a country to not even have like a tribe to not even have the gospel in their language, I was just really confused by that. And so I started asking more and more questions. And uh, right then I called BJ and I said, hey, BJ. I'm going to go to Papua New Guinea (laughs) and we're dating long distance. So he's like, Oh really? Okay. Well, we're going to have to talk about this, you know? (laughs) So, so anyways, we decided that we couldn't do anything else. Like after hearing all about God's heart for the nation, like there's nothing else that we could do that God wanted specifically us to, to do. And so, so he got on board. Yes. Yeah. And he was definitely on board with missions, but you know, he was sort of going to India track, but <laughs> you know, I won. I prayed. <laughs> My prayers were, were heard. Yes. And so, um, anyways, yeah, we got married after three years of long distance relationship and, um, we started training with new tribes or ethnos 360 just because they really specialize in going to tribal locations. And so, um, did the, the whole four years of training, which was so long. Like anytime we tell somebody about our training, they were like, wow, that's so long. Like, don't you want to just go (laughs) like right now? And yes, we did want to go, but you know, like anybody who does a career goes to college for four years and they specialize in a certain career. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, we wanted to be really prepared. Like if we were going to give our lives to this, we wanted to just feel really ready to do this job that the Lord is giving us. 
And so we trained, we had three kids in the mix of training. Uh, we raced the poor and then we moved to Papua New Guinea. And so, um, once we got to Papua New Guinea, we had to learn the national language. Um, so we said there's 800 languages, but there's one national language. And if you look it up on the internet, they would say English. Um, mm. uh, but the national language is pidgin and it's like a bunch of different languages. I don't know, hodgepodged into one language called pidgin. Hmm. And so that's interesting. Yeah. And are there so many because everybody's isolated? Like for example, you're in the mountains and so it kind of changes a little bit. Yeah. And so, um, like everyone, well, supposedly everyone knows pidgin because it's the trade language. So they, like you said, everyone's in different locations. So when they want to trade goods, they would have to use this language to communicate with each other. Oh yeah. Cause the languages are so different from each other. Like even if you just go up a mountain, I mean, it's a totally different language group and super different. Like you can't even understand each other. <laughs> wow. So, um, this trade language, we spent about six months learning and it, it was pretty easy because it sounds English. Like you could say me like go long stua. <laughs> so what do you think I said? <laughs> um, you like to go a long way to the store? Hey, yeah, that was good. It just says I want to go to this store. But okay. so you can tell like it's pretty easy just to pick up this language. It sounds really similar. Once you learn the patterns, you can learn this language pretty easy. Mm -hmm. So it only took us six months. So we learned that and then we could communicate with the people in town because everyone in town speaks that language. And then um, during that time, we started praying like, Lord, what tribe do you want us to go to? Like, there's actually all these tribes asking for missionaries. And um, yeah, how could we ever choose? So we want to go to all of them. Um, so during this time, we had teamed up with two other families. Actually, we teamed up with them. We started pursuing each other during training and they're our best friends. And we thought, well, let's just team up with them. Like, Aww. you know, we'll keep it open handed. But we felt like the Lord was OK with us going together as a team. Typically, there's three units in each tribe. OK. And so, yeah, they're our best friends. And we spent so much time together, playing together, praying together. It's you and your husband and your kids. Mm-hmm. And then two other families? Yes. The Hambrices and the Crabtrees, two different families. Okay. So, And actually, when we all came to Papua New Guinea, we had the oldest kid, which was four. And then we also had the youngest kid, which was 10 months old. And so there were seven kids in between those ages. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Four years and younger, seven kids. You were busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so during that time, after we all learned Pigeon, we started praying and asking God, like, Lord, where do you have our team to go? And so um, during that time, we just started hearing about this tribe called Wantakia, which is where we are now. Mm. We were told, okay, so if you think about a circle, um, around the circle is one tribe called Simbari, and then keep going around the circle. There's another tribe called Aziana and another tribe called Wusarambia. And so in the middle of all three of these tribes that have the gospel already, like they've had it for 30 years, there's a tribe called Wantakia. And um, these other tribes have tried to reach out to this tribe called Wantakia, but it hasn't been successful because the language is so different or because they're enemies. So different reasons. And so there was a couple teams here in Wantakia before, like in the 70s and the 90s. But just the language is really hard. The living here is really difficult. And so for different reasons, they left. And so Wantakia has never gotten the gospel before. And so, yeah, we just felt really drawn to Wantakia and prayed about it a lot. And we just kept feeling like the Lord was saying, like, yes, this is the time for Wantakia. Like, mm -hmm. yes, I know the language is difficult. Like everyone said, 
the closer the weather is in Papua New Guinea, the harder the language is. Mm. The hotter the weather is in Papua New Guinea, the easier the language is. So anyways, we have like the best weather here. And so, of course. (laughs) So anyways, so we just really prayed about Wantakia and they had actually still remembered, hey, you guys sent missionaries here before, like, but we still haven't gotten the gospel. So Mm -hmm. we just felt really burdened for them. So pidgin, Mm -hmm. the main language is pretty easy to learn. Yeah. But you're saying the Wantakia language is a lot more difficult. Yeah, it's really difficult. (laughs) If I knew, like, I don't know how language is set up, I could tell you a bunch of stuff, but you'd have to ask my husband about that. Tell us a sentence in their language. Okay. Um, anything, <laughs> uh, Nimit you know, Nimekamavia, put away, put it in that. Yeah, that sounded really fancy. Okay. <laughs> what did you say? Well, I said my name is Saline, um, because that's what they call me here. They can't say J's, and so they call me Saline, like the nose solution. <laughs> um, and then I said, I have three kids. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, once we just decided like, okay, let's check this place out, you know, like, do they still want missionaries? Like, what's the deal here? And so um, my husband and the other guys came and they did a survey and there's 10 villages in the Wantakia language group. And so they hiked and I told you it's really um, mountainous. Mm -hmm. So they hiked up and down the trails just to go visit all the villages and and it was unanimous, like everybody wanted missionaries to come. So, yeah, we decided. So how big is this village, this tribe? Yeah, the village that we live in, there's about 900 people mm-hmm. in our village. And then there's uh, nine other villages. Okay. So when you got there, when you finally decided to come, like, where did you live? Yeah. So once we decided, um, it took lots of trips for the guys to come in and out of here just to set up everything. Um, the first trip, like I said, was the surveying. And then the second trip was just to decide which village we actually wanted to live in. And so then they said, okay, well, here are your options for land. Like they're just going to give us land. Then that was actually our first time as women to get to come out and do a land agreement and just say the community is giving us this land. So they did this whole big like ceremony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything's a ceremony, like all big things. There's a ceremony for it. And so, That's cool. yeah, so that was the first time we got to come out and visit. And it was just so fun and nice. There were people everywhere, kids everywhere. I don't know. It was really just assuring. So we left and that same trip, the guys, us women left, the, the guys stayed and um, they started uh, cutting down trees. And so they had already decided all this with the Wantakia men that they were going to teach them how to cut trees with chainsaws. And uh, we brought out a sawmill. We were going to do all the sawmilling for wood for building our houses. So that a couple trips and a lot of <laughs> a lot of hard work. Oh yeah. But it was really cool just for them to like rub shoulders with the Wantakians who were gonna be teaching them, you know, everything. And um just to show them that we're normal, like yeah, our color of skin is different, but mm-hmm. hey, you know, we sweat and we bleed. We work hard. And so, you know I watched that video yeah. of the house. It was awesome. Yeah. It's just so surreal. Everything is just so just amazing. So yeah, everyone's always been so supportive of us, like really excited that we're here, which I know that's not always the case, but 
so yeah, they helped us build our house and I could show you just the cross beams. My husband would be probably saying cross beams and rafters. Like <laughs> they're all like, every time I look at him, I'm like, man, those guys, they just all work so hard, you know, to build this house. And so it's not like a fancy house. It's 850 square feet. Um, but it's perfect. Like it's, it's our house mm. in the bush, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> I'm impressed because I feel like people here in the States are really proud of themselves if they cut down their own Christmas tree and bring it back <laughs> to their house. So you built your house by yourself. Oh, I mean, not what? by yourself with the Wantakia people, but that's right. So practical question. Yes. Um, I'm guessing there's no running water. Um, no. So the Wantakians, like before we came, they would have to walk an hour with their pots and they would fill up, you know, for the day, maybe like a pot full of water and carry it back up to their house. Wow. And so, um, when we moved here, we just brought like a, it's like a water tank, but I don't know, the newer things are water bladders. And so they fit underneath your house. And anyway, so it's like half of the size of our house. And so we collect rainwater. We're so like organic and, you know, yeah, you are. Cool, off the grid. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I see light in our video right now. So is that coming through a window? Actually, yeah, that's just the sun. It's super bright here. Like I said, we're 7,000 feet up on the equator. And so it's super bright. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But we do have lights like when it's nighttime. So but, are they solar powered? Yeah. We have several solar panels up on our roof. And so we really are off the okay. grid. We're like super cool. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. when you have to go to the bathroom, mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, we uh, just have a toilet. Like the house is really American, like, you know, so we have a toilet and everything goes down in a big hole that we dug. <laughs> okay. That we dug. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, not me, but you know. <laughs> you didn't dig the, the pooper hole? No, <laughs> but it did start caving in at one point. So people were like, hey, your toilet hole is caving in. Like we need to fix it. So Again, they're so nice and so happy with us that they totally just helped us straighten our, our toilet hole. I love it. <laughs> just see our kids like falling in it or something, you know, but <laughs> we say, yeah, do not go by the toilet hole just in case, you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, I tent camp with my family and I, I mean, I feel like we're pretty rugged and outdoorsy. Like we can do this yeah. in our house. We're kind of in the country, so we've been on septic for a long time, but we just recently hooked up to city sewer. And it's amazing because before it was like, <laughs> if it rained a lot, I wouldn't run like the washer and dryer or dishwasher just because you never know it could kind of <laughs> overflow. And now it's great. I don't have to worry about it. Oh, so I can man. empathize with you a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. You're so rugged. Right. Says <laughs> the woman who's living on a mountain, a helicopter distance away from a city. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so tell us about the people in the village. Yeah, the people in the village. Um, I thought I would tell you my my special friend's name here. That's like taught me language and she's like my best friend. So I thought if I tell you about Same, then she sort of represents the yeah. Wantakia woman. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so my friend Same, um, she has always lived in this just really remote village that has no service. Like I said, no airstrip. Uh, they're working on an airstrip right now, but there's no roads. There's no school. There's no hospital. So if they get sick, like they have to walk a long ways or just try home remedies that they have here. Um, 
she totally lives off the land. Like she has several gardens. And uh, like I said, it's mountainous. So it's not just the little cute little garden in your backyard, like all those uh, Pinterest pictures, you know, that people are posting. That's really <laughs> cute. And, and I am proud that people are doing gardens, but um, she has to walk down the mountain and up another mountain just to go to her family's garden. And so that's one of her gardens. So then she would walk down the mountain, up another mountain, just to go to another garden that she has. And so they work really hard and they're in super good shape. Mm-hmm. And so um, they plant sweet potatoes and corn and pumpkin and greens. And so they have a really healthy diet. There's not much fruit. There are some bananas, but we're so high up that fruit doesn't really grow that well up here, but lots and lots of vegetables. And so um, sometimes the women here have pigs. She doesn't have a pig right now, but if um, somebody gives you a pig or you have enough money to buy a pig, you'll raise it and then kill it and cook it in the ground in a moo moo mm-hmm. and then sell the meat. So that's like a way for her to make money. And who doesn't like bacon? I know. Yeah. Yeah. We've started getting the um, pig butts. Mm-hmm. It's like super good. We have to pressurize it for like an hour and a half pressure cook it. Okay. But it's super good. <laughs> and I'm guessing you guys have your own garden. Um, We used to um, just to learn like the culture. We you know when we got here, we started learning the language and the culture and we wanted to really live like the Wantakians. And so we had that and um, it was a great experience. But just as we've moved sort of into a, a new position in ministry, like teaching literacy and teaching them the Bible, it's like we don't really have as much time to do gardens. And so we've given them back to their owners, which they're completely happy with, you know. So where do you get your food? Yeah. So um, we have to do a lot of planning, which I know some of you had to do that during the quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we plan um, the meals that we're going to cook or we plan what kind of meats and we can actually get a good selection of chicken and beef. And so we plan all that kind of stuff. And then we put in an order. We have a huge base in town with new tribes like a missionary center. And so there's a store there and there's supply buyers who can go to town and buy stuff. There's schools there or there's a school there. There's a clinic. If we're sick, we can write the doctor there. So we're definitely not out here alone. Like we have a huge support system in town. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So we just, um, we write our list and we send it to our supply buyer and he buys some And we actually have like Doritos and Fritos and stuff at the store. (laughs) And so, yeah, we'll get some of that. Do your tribal friends, are they amazed? Like, what is this? Well, they might not. They might not not know about it. Yeah. I don't blame you. (laughs) Yeah. But we do buy like rice, like since they don't have rice out here, rice and um, what's the English word? uh, Ramen noodles. Mm. Those are like two special things that they can buy in town. So we buy a lot of that and we'll cook for people a lot. So. So yeah, we just have to be really good planners because if the chopper's not here and we're out of food, it's like, well, I guess that's not the worst. We can eat lots of sweet potatoes, but Hmm. (laughs) so, um, okay. So my friend Same, she is about my age. She's about 35 and, uh, she has two kids, which is not the normal. Uh, most women here have about 10 kids because (laughs) it's just, they always one form of entertainment. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) it's free (laughs) that's right they always say hey you live in the bush you know yeah we just have lots of kids and so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but um the reason why she only has two kids is because uh, this is sort of a new thing is some of the men will go to town 
And so um, they want money, of course. And so there's no money here, really. And so they'll go to town and they will work a job like a security job because they're not educated. So that's about the only job that they can get in town. So they'll work there. And sometimes they come back and provide for their family to buy like soap and cooking oil and salt and things like that. But sometimes they go and they don't come back. And so her husband has gone to town. He went there 12 years ago and he has never come back. And so, Mm. yeah, so she only has two kids, which she's happy about because, you know, having more kids is more work for a Wantakean woman. So Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that you just have to speculate, but do you think that he got hurt or killed or distracted? No, we've actually talked to him on the phone. Like he has a phone and so I'll call him. And so, um, yeah, he just, he just likes money, you know, and wants to be in town. I mean, hmm. really, when you taste town, it's hard to come back to the bush. For some people, there's entertainment there. and mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of people. And But here, the good thing about here, a lot of people do come back is because everything's free here. And so people say, hey, we go to town and we work, and but we spend all of our money. So we have no money. So hmm. everything here is free. And so that's a, a huge thing for them. You just live. Yeah. When you want to eat, you just go to your garden and you get it for free. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah. So my friend Same, um, her daily life, like she gets up and she cooks food. Um, she lives in a house. Uh, the houses here are round, which is really unusual. But just the area that we're in, all the houses are round. And so they're all made like with grass roofs. And they're about 100 square feet. And this is for the whole family like just one house for the whole family. Mm -hmm. And so in the middle, um, you're outside a lot, I bet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Like sending the kids outside, you could imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the middle is like a fire pit. And so that's where they cook their food and, um, they either like will rig up something to put a pot on it and boil stuff, or they'll just like put the sweet potato down into the ashes and cook it. And so, um, yeah, she does that. She wakes up and she starts a fire, which means she had to have fire, which means she had to go like down the mountain, up the mountain to cut firewood. And they put it in this little bundle, not little, it's huge, a bundle and they carry it on their head. So like every day from our house, we see these women with these huge bundles of firewood, just walking like so long, just, you know, to keep their house warm and to keep the food on their table. Well, actually they don't have tables, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm. So um, do they just eat on the floor? Yeah, they sit, they sleep on the floor. They sit on the floor. They are starting to get more plates. Like I said, like if some of the men send money or um, they sell coffee here. So Mm -hmm. if you're ever at Starbucks or something and you see Papua New Guinea coffee, like it might've come from our village. And so um, that's cool. Yeah. it's So you have plenty of coffee. Yeah. Well, I actually don't drink coffee, but okay. I, have my, yeah. I have my tea right here. But BJ, yeah, he drinks enough coffee for the both of us. Well, I like a little bit of coffee with my creamer, so <laughs> it's not a real thing. See, that's what I used to do. And then I just thought, well, I like sugar more than I like yeah. coffee. So I started drinking tea with stevia. All right. So. Listen, don't call me out. Okay. It's offensive. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's such a hard life for like the Wantakians, you know, they we can feel guilty. Like we're from America where we just have, you know, everything at our fingertips and we can go to school, you know, like public education, you can go for free or you can go to college and get scholarships or, you know, your parents have enough money to send you to college. But 
here it's just everything is just so different like you live off the land Mm -hmm. you might have money you might not um you just work hard and so Mm -hmm. yeah life is just very very different and not only just in the physical realm but just the spiritual realm like like we said they don't have the gospel here and there have been like people come through just to try to do it in the trade language so they don't quite understand it and so they still just are very afraid of spirits and Mm -hmm. like they can't walk at night because even their toilets are outside. And so um, if they walk to their toilet, they're really afraid at night, like that some spirit might get them or take over their body or things like that. Or Mm -hmm. if they're in the bush, like walking, you know, to their gardens, they're afraid of spirits. So you said that the languages are a lot of time kind of a hodgepodge. mm -hmm. Is their spirituality kind of the same thing to where it's kind of a hodgepodge of different religions or just what they've heard or thought? No, it's actually pretty similar across Papua New Guinea, like just worshiping spirits and manipulating them and appeasing them. And, okay. you know, when somebody dies, they will try to manipulate the spirit so that that spirit is happy when it roams around the earth for a year. And um, maybe if you appease them and, I don't know, are happy with that dead body for a week, then that spirit won't come and mess you up. And so hmm. it's just, yeah, they live in fear constantly, like always trying to appease things. And so, wow. But you guys came to bring hope. That's right. Yeah. And it started like, so we came here, we learned their language, which took them in about two years to learn, which is amazing. Like people just are still amazed at what the Lord has done because the language has been known to be so difficult in the surrounding villages. Like it took those missionaries, I don't know, like nine years to learn the language. And so the Lord, we all feel like the Lord just completely gave us the language mm-hmm. and not just learning the language. We had to learn the culture too. Right. How long have you been there? Uh, we've been here for five years now in the village. Okay. Yeah. So your goal has been to get there, mm-hmm. learn the language, and then... Yeah. So we learned their language. And after learning their language, we really wanted them to be able to read the Bible that we're going to be teaching them. And so here there are no schools, so there's no readers and uh, there's actually no alphabet. And so (laughs) we sort of had a big job ahead of us. Um, One of our coworkers, Lael, she had gone through some extra training to learn how to create alphabets and in languages that don't have one. Oh my word. And so, um, yeah, she's amazing. Thanks, Lael. If you ever hear this. Um, mm-hmm. So she just worked really hard. Um, we all got her data and she created an alphabet for the Wantakians. And it's really similar to Pigeon. So if anyone did know how to read in the national language, they could look at this and sort of, I mean, with a few changes, they could be able to read it. So um, we started up a literacy school and we had 10 students in our first class. And then we've had 10 students in our second class and they have totally learned how to read and how to write in their language. And we've created stories like when we were learning the language, we would get a text like from someone who would go to the garden. And so then we would turn that into a story, a story that they could read in their own language. Mm. And so they love reading stories about their own selves. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't? I was going to say that's universal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So now we have 20 literate Wantakians. Mm. And so we put a pause on that because we are finally ready to teach them the Bible chronologically. And so we have taken those 20 students and we have like 
during the whole thing, we're not just doing one thing at a time. Like the guys are doing multiple jobs. And so they've been translating a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted to translate all of the stories that we're going to teach them. We're going to teach them um, from the beginning with creation all the way till the end to revelation. Wow. We're going to teach the 56 lessons. <laughs> and so That's amazing. Yeah. So they've been working hard just to translate those stories and the scripture that goes with the story. And um, we were able to give them Genesis one through four, like all of our literacy students. And they're just so cute. Like you can't imagine how cute they are. It's, it, it sort of reminds me of like when I taught my kids like kindergarten, first grade, it's like you see them just wanting to read so much and they're trying and sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't, but mm. they are just like loving every single word. And there's not much to do here in Wantakia. And so I don't know that some of my friends that have learned, they just sit like at their house with their flashlights because their houses are pretty dark and they just read it over and over and over. Like wow. it's just amazing. So we're excited. So you guys just started what, like June 1st yeah. teaching scripture? Yeah. For the very first time in Wantakia, we started June 1st mm. teaching them uh, just creation. So we wanted to start at the beginning because um, if we came in and started telling them about Jesus, mm-hmm. they would be like, okay, cool. Like, let's just add that to what we already do. And we don't even know who this Jesus is anyways, but yeah, we'll worship them. Mm-hmm. So, um, cause you know, they appease and manipulate and yeah, they'll just add it to what they, you know, totally syncretize. And so, um, yeah, we started in creation and we've been going really slow and we just got them to Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden today. So three weeks of creation and how God created Adam. And the whole time we're telling them just main themes, like how God is the provider and God never lies, but Satan, he always lies. And so Mm -hmm. they're starting to know some of these themes that we repeat over and over and over throughout the lessons. And so. So do you go line by line or is it more of in summary? Um, Well, what we do is we have lessons and then we're teaching them the stories, more story like narrative. But then we um, say, well, let's hear what God's word actually says about it. And so then one of the guys will stand up and read scripture. And we eventually want to incorporate the literacy students reading the scripture, you know, just to we're always trying to include them to do yeah that kind of stuff and we have a picture that goes with each story and so it's just so like they just don't have those resources Mm -hmm. here in the village and so for them to hear the story and see a picture that goes with it is like just awesome to them and you'll see the kids like I've posted so many times and I can't quit posting about this on Instagram but the kids just every single time I go to the and I get there pretty early but they're already there looking at the pictures for Uh. the next lesson and just so excited and and then after the lesson they're all talking because before they're just sort of guessing, you know? And so after the lesson, these kids are all pointing at the pictures Uh. and hey, this is what Adam did. And he, he tried to blame it on Eve that he ate the fruit and they're just talking and telling this story. And it's just one of the coolest things. Yeah. So do your kids get involved with this? Yeah, I know. I I hate that. I haven't talked about my kids that much, but they are super involved. Like we just decided a long time ago that we were going to do this as a family. Like we're not going to do it old fashioned where the husband goes into the tribe. Like, no, this is for our whole family. And so, Mm -hmm. but the men are the ones that teach. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they're the best in the language. Like mm-hmm. I can teach literacy, but for me to know, <laughs> I'm not that good in the language. I mean, I checked out of language, but it's a lot. You're partnered together. That's right. Yes. And so our kids, like bless their hearts, they don't know the language. Like they know some pigeon, but um, we tell them before each day, like we tell them what the lesson is and we will read it in the Bible and say, this is what they're going to be learning today. So you'll see the pictures and then we will tell them some of the words like, okay, you're going to hear about the tree and that word is Isa. And so when you hear Isa, okay, you know that they're talking about the tree. And so we'll do that just so that they can feel like they're going through this with us because I'm understanding what's being taught. But you know what? They're so cute. Like they told us we love going to the teaching. Like it's fun seeing our daddies like speak in a different language and Mm. they love seeing like who's coming to the teaching and Yeah. So we try to involve them just as much as we can. And we've actually even given them like we live, (laughs) we have houses all around our house. Like you just wouldn't imagine all the stuff we hear, like pigs and dogs and roosters and, Mm. and people like chopping firewood and stuff like right behind our house. But we have sides to our house. And so um, one side we gave to Graham, our youngest, and we said, okay, you're going to pray for these people that come to the teaching. And this was before the teaching began. Mm-hmm. And so one side we gave to Sophie and said, okay, you're going to pray for these people that come. And then Olivia, we gave her the other side. And so every day they're like, mom, did you see Papa Wangi came to the teaching? Like we've been praying for him to come because he hasn't cool. been coming. And now he finally came. Oh yeah. That's amazing. I mean, they're seeing it in action. Yeah, it's been super cool. Like, I feel like our kids are just totally a part of it. And we tell them all the time, like, guys, we couldn't be here without you. Like, this is something for our whole family. So Mm -hmm. we know that they feel part of it, you know. Mm -hmm. I want to read Romans 10, 14 through 15 real quick. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So you guys have gone and you're there and you're still doing it every day. Actually, I want everyone to know that before this podcast recording at 7 a.m. her time, they were up teaching a lesson this morning already out in the village. So I just want to know, I guess, what have been some of your greatest joys and struggles and how have you seen God work through your obedience? Yeah. It's a big question. I know there's so many, but um, yeah, just one of the biggest struggles was learning the language. Um, All three of us women said, before we came that we want to learn the language because just like that verse, how can they hear unless someone tells them, well, the women here, they can hear it, but like the guys aren't going to disciple the women. So Mm. we all decided we want to learn the language. Like that's something very important to us. And so we prayed just so long before we even moved out to Wantakia that we would eventually learn the tribal language. And so it wasn't easy to learn it. It was such a struggle. Um, you know, we're all homeschooling our kids too and cooking from scratch and Mm. cleaning and making sure we don't get cockroaches and things like that. Mm. And so there's just like not enough time in the day and we would worry about that. But just committing it to the Lord, even before we came here, just begging the Lord, Lord, help us to learn this language. And so it took a ton of discipline. Like we would wake up at 530 in the morning before our kids would even wake up just to, you know, study the language. 
And then we would have language sessions where we would go like to people's gardens with them and do life with them and learn the nouns and the verbs and eventually sentences and things like that. But it was such a hard time. Like if you can imagine three years, like doing that kind of schedule, Mm -hmm. just putting yourself out there. Like (laughs) we have nothing in common, but we want to learn about your ways and we want to be friends with you and like living out here, you need friends, you know? And so the Wantakians, they're our best friends now, like so many of them, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, there's times where you compare yourself with others. Like I might compare myself with my other two coworkers and, and they're so blunt here. Like they try to compliment you, but they're really putting you down. Like they're (laughs) like, yeah, Mandy, she just really knows the language or, Oh, she like always hangs out with us. And you're like, well, so do I, you know, you don't, you can't say that. And so we just decided from the beginning, we're going to say, yeah, you know, Mandy, she just really knows the language. Yeah, you're right. Like whale, she just really hangs out with you guys a lot, you know, and Mm -hmm. try not to let that get to you. But there's certain days where you're homesick or your kids are being naughty or homeschool didn't go good or um, people are just mean. And so kids are just kids and people are just people no matter where you live. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And so, yeah, it was just so many times where we were really trying to give up and I don't really want to learn the language anymore, or I want to quit or, you know, just things like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just really hard to, especially after so many years of school, like you're tired of learning the language, but it just really caused us to just get down on our knees and beg the Lord, like every day, like, Lord, you know, that we have a desire to learn this language. And we know that you've brought us here. And we know that you're going to help us learn it. And so we need you like so many times I would sing, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. (laughs) Every hour I need you. Like I would Mm -hmm. sing it out loud, because that was all I could do. Like, (laughs) you just Yeah, you just need the Lord through this. And, and so that was a struggle, but then a joy is that he helped us to learn the language. Mm-hmm. And so now sitting through the teaching, like we totally understand afterwards, we can talk to the women and say, Hey, how do you feel about that lesson? Like, what did you learn? And we can tell them some of the themes to remind them like, Hey, yeah, but God is a good provider and, and he's our helper. And Hey, who gave you that sweet potato? Like, who gives you everything in your garden? Hey, God does. And so we're able to talk to them. And Mm -hmm. and so that has been like just the biggest joy that like, it was a desire and the Lord totally blessed it and helped us to learn the language. And so, Mm -hmm. and they're also seeing your love and they're seeing how you love your family and you're seeing how you showed up to be there for them and to teach them. And I mean, I think the whole saying more is caught than taught. Mm -hmm. You know, I bet there's a lot of things that you teach them that God is using. And then I bet there's a lot of things that you're not teaching them necessarily by speaking it, but just with your life Mm -hmm. that is making such an impact. Yeah, we've totally seen that. Like one of BJ's closest um, language helpers, he just got married recently and his wife actually just had a baby. And she, um, well, something interesting is the women, it's like Old Testament times. They have their babies and they have their periods outside the village. Oh. And so they have these little tiny straw houses that it's just really cold and it's windy. And, but that's where they have to do that. And guys do not go there. Like it is forbidden for men to go there. Well, he has already been like helping BJ translate. So he's farther along than the actual teaching is. And he helped, um, fix and, correct the lessons that we've been teaching. 
So he actually is one of the first ones to key believers because he's already gone through the teaching. That's cool. And so, um, yeah, there's three guys who have helped them do that. But so he's one of them. His name's Yadas and his wife just had a baby and, um, he's just totally picked up on a lot that BJ does, like how he treats me, like the men here just do not treat their wives well, like they're more property and um, it's just, it's not a good thing, but he has already been what you're saying, picking up on how BJ treats me and he's totally like sweet to his wife, Mm. which is so unusual. And so when she had a baby, he actually was coming back from town and um, he walked through the night, through the rain and went straight to the birthing hut to go see his son that God had given Uh, him, he said. And so, which is totally forbidden, but he did it anyways. And so, yeah, he's seen how BJ treats me. And also God's word has totally changed him already. So we're really excited about him and all the other ones that are going to be changed, you know. That's amazing. So the birthing hut, the <laughs> period chat, or whatever you call it. I don't know sounds, what you call it. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Girl time, girl party. Well, so I've always wondered. I was having this conversation with a friend actually recently. And we were saying, you know, in the Bible, they make it sound horrible. But really, did they go off and they were having girl time and they brought their chocolate and coffee with them and they were just alone and like, you got the kids, we're fine. Or is it really horrible? So it's really horrible. <laughs> well, it's funny. Um, you said like, yeah, you've got the kids, but that is who is there at the hut. Okay, the kids come. When, when a woman has a baby, it's like not her girlfriends that come. It's the kids, mm. like all her nieces and maybe it's a sister because, you know, they have so many kids. So sometimes when you have a baby, you still have a little sister who's like your baby's age. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, it's full of kids. Like every time a woman has a baby, like as missionaries, we take like a pot of food to them and, you know, just show them that we love them. So we're cooking like all the time because they have babies so often. We've cooked for like the same lady like four times already. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. In five years. So it's not a breakout no, man. No. <laughs> I was really hoping it was for them. I know. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to go down to the birthing hut, you know, just me <laughs> and Lael and Mandy, we're just going to go have our periods. <laughs> oh my goodness. That would be fun. <laughs> okay. So you've learned the language. You are now teaching the Bible, which is a massive thing. Um, what's next? What's the future look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Lots more work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a lot of people say, oh, so once like they have um, the Bible in their language, like you guys just going to leave. But um, we like to just put it as like a baby. Like once you have a baby, do you just leave it? Mm. Like, no, you don't just leave it. You care for it and you teach it things. And so mm. um, we're going to keep like once there's a church here, like we're going to keep teaching literacy because, you know, we really want them to keep learning how to read and write so that the scriptures that we're translating, they can have in their hands and they can mm-hmm. read. Yeah. And start to really come alive. Yeah. I mean, because. I can't imagine just going to church and like never reading my Bible, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and I have to read my Bible over and over and over again. And sometimes I still don't get it. So (laughs) we need that reminder. Yes, exactly. And so, yeah, we want that to be where they're getting fed. Like we want them to, yeah, be able to read and teach their family the Bible. And there's just so much in the Bible that we can't actually teach them because there's not enough time. So literacy is a huge thing. Um, we've already been training some teachers. So like, as we're doing all of this, we're training the Wantakians to take our place. And so, yeah, this next class, the Wantakians are actually going to be teaching it. 
the next literacy class and we're just going to be observing. Mm. And so then the fourth class, they're going to be teaching it and we're just going to ask them about it after class. And so that's a big deal. We're just trying to pass everything off. And so even once we finish um, teaching the Bible chronologically, um, we hope to have people that we can start training to do outreaches. And actually it's super exciting. Um, The second day of teaching, we had someone come and they said, hey, we're from this village, like in Wantakia. And we want to know when you're going to come to our place because we want this message. to. Mm. And so we've actually had a couple more people since then ask us to come to their village. And so that's amazing. So tell me again, in Wantakia, mm-hmm. there's how many villages? There's 10 villages. And they're all considered Wantakia? Yeah, mm-hmm. same language. And what's even funny about like where our location is, is um, we are the headwater, they say. And so the water starts. Um, in our village, like the actual river that runs and it runs to every oh. single Wantakia village, but it starts in ours. Yes. And so the people have said, Hey, that's like the gospel. It's going to start. Look at that symbolism. I know. Is that so cool? Come I on. love it. Like we couldn't have planned that, you know? And so, yeah, so that's what we want to do, but we don't want it to just be us missionaries taking the gospel, like to the other villages. We want to train up people who are growing in their um, walk with the Lord, like eventually to take it. And we're going to take literacy to the other villages too. So start with literacy in another village with our teachers that we've trained and then um, teach them the chronological teaching too. Well, that's Jesus's model. You know, no one was expected to do it all, but we are all called to do our part. That's right. Yes. And we hope to work ourselves out of a job. So that doesn't mean like we'll just leave Wadzakia. Like we'll probably live in town for a little bit and check on them, kind of like Paul did, you know, write letters. And mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure growing up in Oklahoma, in the United States, and now being over there, I'm sure that a lot has changed about your perspective. So how are you different because of what you've been through? Yeah, I feel like I am like just so dependent on the Lord right now because I feel like he's sometimes the only one I have out here, you know, like just to go to and cry to. And I mean, if you look at our Instagram or Facebook, like life just looks so great out here and it is so difficult to live out here. And, you know, just Satan is, is real and he tries to attack us and discourage us. And I feel like the word of God has like just come to life to me. And I don't know, it's just, I just keep thinking of that verse that says in Psalm, taste and see that the Lord is good. And like we taste him like constantly out here and he is so good. Like he's so worth it. He, um, like we don't have any regrets, you know, leaving our, it is sad to leave our family and our comfort of Oklahoma and the malls and restaurants. But you have internet now because the tower went up. Yay. We have internet. So we get to see our family and yeah, life's still hard out here, but Mm -hmm. the Lord is so good and he's so faithful. And one thing I've been really learning a lot is about contentment and, um, I read a book called Calm My Anxious Heart by Linda Dillow. I don't know how many Linda Dillow fans out there, but mm-hmm. it, oh, it's so good. At the beginning, I talked about all my different roles and my portion um, that the Lord has given me. But, you know, it's so hard. Like when you have all this stuff, you're like, how do I get anything done? But you just ask the Lord, like, Lord, I have all this to do, but how are you going to help me today? And what's most important? And just reading that book, talking about contentment, how it's a state of the heart and it's not a state of circumstances or feelings. And 
And those are two huge things that we try to base how we're feeling is like how we're feeling or our circumstances, but that's not how we should, like, we should be content and have joy, like no matter what our circumstances are or, Mm. or, um, if someone's being mean to us or, (laughs) you know, we suck at the language or something, but, um, Mm. yeah. So just learning how God is the one who gives us our portion. And just like Jesus, when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he has his portion and he says, Lord, take it like if you want, but if not, like your will be done. And so, I just tried to say that every day, like I hold my hands out, like, this is my portion you've given me. And if it's too much, like take some of it. But if it's not, just help me to be content with what you've given me for today. And he totally is. And sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how all that work got done today. Like, I don't know how Mm. my kids had a successful homeschool session and how I spent time with this lady, how I went to the birthing hut today, how I was, you know, loved on my coworkers, like none of that is possible, but through you, like you're the one who gives me the strength and you're the one who helps me to do all of it. And so, mm-hmm. and helping me to be content because it's not always perfect out here. Right. And, you know, I could complain or be anxious. Like I've learned that I am a type A person and I have been like full of adrenaline, like not so much stress, but more adrenaline. And you can't live with adrenaline constantly. Like you have to come down from that mountain, but Mm. just ask the Lord, like, Lord, I'm content with this. Like, help me to not be anxious. And I don't know, that book is just so good. Like everybody needs to read it if you haven't already. And it's full of scripture. Like it's just very sound and just very good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, and I think we can all deal with discontentment. We're discontent for different reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just so universal that we can all either be discontent or like a lot of people here, I think, feel this like restlessness, especially Christians. I want to do this, mm-hmm. you know, in God's name, but we have other problems, right? Yeah. So we might not have to walk up a mountain to go get water or whatever <laughs> it is, but there's or to go out to the period hut. <laughs> but I think it's a universal thing to be content in the Lord. And tell me what you think, if this is your experience, but I think that's something that only he can give. I Mm -hmm. think that peace is only something he can give when we seek him. So it doesn't matter what circumstance we are in or what part of the world that we're in Mm -hmm. or if things are good or if things are bad, like we can still be discontent and we can still also find joy. For sure. Yeah. One of the verses that just goes right along with what you're talking about is, I mean, it's such a famous verse, but I have to just remind myself like not to skip over it or like zone out. If someone reads um, Philippians 4 verse 6 through 8, says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. And then um, Linda Dillett was talking about in that part of the chapter, how this is really just a choice. Like, We can focus on our circumstances or instead we can talk to God about it and thank him. And um, I just feel like, man, if I can start thanking him when I'm discontent, Mm. like my perspective automatically changes. That's good. And there's always something to be thankful for. And then um, then it says after that verse, like, then you will experience God's peace. That's definitely a promise. You know, Mm. when you pray about it, you'll experience God's peace, what you're saying, and you'll be okay with your portion. And I know, like you're saying, everybody, no matter where in the world has different portions that the Lord's given us. And we might not be happy with the portion, or we might wish we had someone else's portion, but we just keep our eyes on Jesus and thank him and Mm -hmm. pray constantly, like keep us to be content. 
yeah, I feel like if anyone gets one thing out of this is just contentment is such a huge thing that we all struggle with that God can help us with. Well, you nailed it. I mean, keep our eyes on Jesus and it might sound cliche, but that's it. That's the key. Yep. We've learned that if we take our eyes off of Jesus, we're putting it on ourselves and we become discouraged or the opposite. We become boastful, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so good. Mm. (laughs) Or if we're putting our eyes off of Jesus and putting them on others, we're constantly comparing ourselves and wishing, I wish I had that, or I wish, you know, I could do that, or I wish I could be involved in that ministry or things like that. So Mm -hmm. just keeping our eyes on Jesus takes care of all of that. That's so good. Man, I wish that we could just keep going and going and going because there are so many other things that we could talk about. But I would love to just pray Mm, um, for you you and for your people. And so could you just tell us the names of the missionaries that are with you? Yeah, I'd love to. So our family is the Sanders. I don't think I ever said that. And then um, another couple is the Hambrices, Mandy and Jeremy. Mm -hmm. They're from... Arkansas, Mm -hmm. and then uh, Jack and Lael Crabtree, and they're also from Arkansas. All right. Well, let's just pray. And wherever you are listening, I pray that you would just, or I ask that you would just join us in prayer because that's a way that we can partner together. We know that wherever two or more are gathered, that God is in their midst Mm -hmm. and that's a promise from him. And so we are going to believe him and we're going to pray. So Lord, we just come before you right now, God, and we just thank you so much that you are with us and that you never leave us no matter where we are in this world, God, that you made it and you made the people in it and you have a plan and a purpose. this specific time in history. And um, God, I just pray for the families that are there, Lord. I pray that you would give them a renewed strength. God, I pray that you would give them a heart of perseverance. And Lord, um, I pray that you would let even this little podcast be a sliver of a reminder of the work that you are doing through them that it's not their own work, God, but it's your work and they are simply vessels. We are all simply vessels being used by you. And God, I pray that you would just give us an increased boldness to know that our confidence is that you are doing this work all over the world, God, that your name, Jesus, will be known and that there's nothing that can thwart that. There's nothing that can change that. And so our job is to keep putting seeds in the ground. And so God, I pray for protection. Lord, I pray for provision. I pray for opportunity. I pray for softened hearts of all of the people that are in this village. Um, Lord, I pray that these little kids that are sitting in front of these stories and seeing the pictures and hearing the words, Mm -hmm. um, and as those conversations start to increase and multiply, Lord, I pray that you would just do such a deep work in them that as they grow up, they will be the ones continuing to go and preach and tell about your name. And so thank you for this opportunity on this little thing called a podcast, God, that we can just continue to talk about you. And Lord, I pray that you would just have your way. And it's in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for meeting me here on the interwebs today. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. Y'all, I don't mean to say I told you so, but I told you, Jill's perspective is just so fascinating. Obviously, I think I said the word amazing like 5 billion times. And listen, in case you are tempted to think, well, of course, they're extra incredible, maybe even superhuman. They're missionaries. The truth is there is no excuse for God's people. We can all show up and love those around us. 
we can all be intentional to dig into our Bibles because guess what? Somebody else has already done the hard work to translate it into the English language. We can all leverage the privilege we've been given to not only dwell on God's love and goodness and grace ourselves, but to share it with others in a world that desperately needs it. Well, a quick heads up, you can find all of the resources mentioned in the conversation notes. You can also subscribe for free wherever you stream podcasts. And we would love for you to join us on Instagram at the Messy Table Podcast. Y'all, please feel free to share this with a friend, share on social media. It's one of the greatest compliments we can get. Plus, it's just such an easy way to share the hope we have in Christ. And last, if you happen to miss it, be sure and go back, check out episode 81 with Latanya Pratt, Stacia Malone, and Sharon Hester. It's a conversation about racism, justice, and the heart of God. And I promise it's worth your time. Guys, thank you so, so much for joining us today. And as you head into your week, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.